Hey, Joe, let's talk about Glastonbury. When Polk played in 1995, I seem to remember someone commenting on Jarvis Cocker's style, saying that there was a fine line between edgy nerdiness and a geography teacher trying too hard. Which side of the line do you think we sit on? Well, I wouldn't like to comment on you, Paul, but I feel appropriately attired to give a lesson on tectonic plates. Harsh, but fair. Welcome to Decision Nerds. I'm Paul Richards. And I'm Joe Wiggins. In this podcast, we analyse decisions, where they can go wrong, and how we can make them more effectively. We talk with researchers and industry experts about the art and science of understanding human behaviour. If you want to understand yourself, your team, or board better, there's something here for you. Glastonbury's just finished, and as usual, it's thrown up a few stories that have amused us. Any favourite memories from Glastonbury, Joe? Well, I'm quite into music and I used to attend a lot of gigs, certainly before children. And every year I watch Glastonbury on TV and think how much I would like to spend the weekend looking at a huge range of different artists. And then I think about the toilets and decide I'd be better off staying at home. Maybe one day I can get a helicopter and have the the VIP experience, but I haven't been there yet. No, me neither. This year, I particularly like the dogged determination of the guy who didn't want to sleep on a floor, who brought an oversized tent and a full IKEA flat pack double bed, including the mattress. Uh, apparently, it took six trips from the car to the campsite to lug everything in and all the usual IKEA shenanigans building it. But he slept like a baby. Well, as much as you can do at Glastonbury. Now, there was a story that caught our eye from a decision perspective, which has inspired us to make this rock and roll decision-making episode. And today we're going to tackle Lana, Lateness and Plan B. We're also going to look at the power of brown M&Ms as a health and safety heuristic. And to finish, we'll look at that well-known behavioral scientist, Elton John. So let's start with Lana Del Rey. Joe, can you set the scene for us? I can. So Lana Del Rey had a highly anticipated set uh, closing the other stage on Friday night. However, she was half an hour late for the start of her set, which she put down to her hair taking so long. Now, Glastonbury, because of its location, has a hard finish at midnight. So the plug was pulled on Lana's show with six songs left to play. Ouch. Uh, painful. Some interesting things to unpack there. I should point out that as this is our rock and roll episode, when we're talking about the artists, we'll try not to follow standard journalistic conventions and just make stuff up. But with that said, I think there's a couple of things that we can talk about, in particular incentives and backup plans. When I think about behaviour, I always apply a simple mental model first up, which is based on incentives and power. And I think you can understand someone's behaviour by looking at the incentives and also who holds the power in a situation, so who has a level of agency. Generally, famous artists and celebrities have a huge amount of power and can decide how things go, so it's okay to turn up late. But there can be certain situations where someone else holds the power, or in this case, the plug. So Guns N' Roses, notorious for turning up late to gigs and having a stage time of 9pm and not turning up till 1.30 in the morning, played Glastonbury at the weekend too, but they did it on time. They obviously realised they didn't hold the power in the situation, so had to uh, behave better than they have done in the past. And I think sometimes this is where people can just go wrong. They, they've got the wrong idea of the power that they hold. I'm sure when anyone's playing an individual gig on their own, then they probably have a degree of control over the plug. And perhaps it was the perception that you could go over. I think it certainly has happened in the past with Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen, and um, maybe Lana Del Rey thought she could get away with it. I thought the other interesting thing was how she managed her set list. Every artist has got a clear order that they want to play their tracks in, and typically they leave the big crowd pleasers till the end for maximum effect. As it was, she had to end with the mid-set fillers. Now, 
It could have been that she was engaged in a high-stakes poker game with the technicians, but it just didn't look like there was a plan B. And you always want a plan B, especially when you're headlining something like Glastonbury. Now, Lana Del Rey is an artiste. It's just possible that she or her people didn't actually pay attention to the contract that stipulated a hard stop at midnight. And that certainly fits the stereotype of the hedonistic rock star. However, not all rock stars fit that mold. Let's take the example of American supergroup Van Halen. And there's an interesting story that shows they were behaviorally savvy, even if the rest of the world thought they were divas. The diva tag came from the riders that they attached to their concert contracts. The rider would specify the kind of things that they would demand in their dressing rooms. Now, one of the things that Van Halen insisted on was a large bowl of M&Ms with all the brown ones removed. Their contracts actually stipulated that if that term wasn't met, then Van Halen could take the concert fee without performing. It wasn't a trivial thing. This does sound like diva behavior, but there was actually an ulterior motive, attention to detail. Now, detail was important to them because they toured with a really innovative light show that was much heavier than most standard groups' lights. And they gave clear instructions to the concert hall about how the lights should be fixed. And this was an important safety issue for them as they were performing underneath them. When they arrived in the venue, the first thing that they would do was look at the M&M bowl. If it had brown ones in it, it was a canary in the coal mine that the venue wasn't detail-oriented. This led them to do a full health and safety check. Rock and roll bands with behavioural heuristics, who'd have guessed, eh? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this type of issue recently. I, I think some of these really simple heuristics can just seem fairly silly and superfluous, but they can be really powerful. We make loads of decisions where there's a huge amount of uncertainty and noise in them. And one of the ways of, of dealing with that is to create simple shortcuts and checks that can cut through that noise and complexity in an expedient way. So what Van Halen have done here is incredibly valuable and clearly imperfect, but also a really useful, sensible check. And we should all think about ways in which when we're dealing with with complex, difficult problems, how we can put simple checks in place to give us more, more confidence or comfort. Now, Van Halen aren't the only musicians with an eye on behavioural science. No, they're not. So Elton John made his first and supposedly last Glastonbury appearance on Sunday. And I saw an interview with him prior to this, and he was asked about how he went about constructing his set list. And he emphasised the importance of finishing the show with the audience's favourite songs. There's a well-documented psychological heuristic called the peak end rule, wherein we judge an experience by how it felt at its peak and its end. So finishing strong is actually very important. And most musicians get this. That's why almost all of them have an encore and close with their most popular songs. And when we see artists play new music at festivals, which most people hate, they tend to bury these songs in the middle of their set so people can go to the toilet and get a burger and then finish with their more well-known work. So reordering a set list with a dramatic impact on the audience experience of a performance. So imagine closing your set with the new songs that nobody has ever heard. So how you finish, whether it be presentation or whether it be a set list at Glastonbury, is probably far more important than it should be. So even if the content is identical, the order of that content can be incredibly powerful. If only Elton had met Lana Del Rey in the green room. <laughs>